1: Hello there, Scoobies. It's Kristen. I'm all alone up in the introduction, probably because Jenny is just feeling the pressure of having been the same exact age as me for nearly three weeks now. The truth is, Jenny had a show in New York City just last night, and so I am here to intro us into this episode. I hope that I do you proud. Uh, Just a couple of quick announcements. First of all, Hey, we're going to take a little break, just a little, a wee little break. We will be back on January 5th. So it's really just one extra week without us in your ears, giving us the time to, I don't know, eat some candy canes, have some cocoa, put our feet up and watch some holiday movies, get cozy, and wish with all our might that Faith will show up at our doors with some crappy gifts. Hey, speaking of crappy gifts, wow, what a horrible introduction to telling you about our store. (laughs) Gifts that are not crappy can be found in our store. And today, December 15th, is the last day that you can order here in our U.S. store so that orders will ship by the 17th and allegedly get to you before Christmas if that's your kind of deal. So you can head on over to bufferingthevampireslayer.com slash shop. Uh, and you can find our stores there. There's a ton of fun stuff there. T-shirts, hats, a couple of mugs. Not too many mugs are left. So if you want to smash the Demon Lizard Patriarchy mug, you better scoot over there. I think there were eight left last I checked. Anyway, live your life. Do your thing. Also, hey, prom is on the brain for many of you. The Saturday night tickets are still sold out, but we do have Friday night tickets available. So if you go to bufferingthevampireslayer.com slash prom... While they last, you can get a ticket to the Friday night live taping. It's still at Torrance High School, a.k.a. Sunnydale High. Jenny and I are going to be talking about all of our favorite scenes from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We're going to have special guests. Jenny's going to play music. It'll be a good time. Also, it does look like we are probably going to be able to have a virtual option for prom. We are working really hard to make that possible. So stay tuned because in early January, if things go according to plan, we will hopefully have a virtual option for those of you who cannot be in Torrance with us in March. All right. I've invented a Jenny bot yes, I invented it, Uh, for this week's Sexual Attention Award winners. uh, Last time I was up here by myself, I did an impression of Jenny, and it was great, and thank you all for your compliments. But, you know, I don't want to sour that memory by doing less of a good job. So instead, this time, we'll try the Jenny bot. All right, here are the rankings from last episode's Sexual Attention Awards. In fourth place, with 10% of the vote, we have Jenkins and Rosenberg. That's Jenkins. And Rosenberg. Wow, wow, wow. In third place, with 11% of the vote, just 1% more than that last place slot, we have Rosenberg and Jenkins. Nice. In third place, 35% of the vote, Candles lit, Anya and Willow. <laughs> and our winners. Our winners are winners willow and anya with 44 percent of the vote i heard rumor that many of you chose this option for the ship name Willia because yes we will uh if you'll excuse me i have something in my eye i understand jenny bot it's emotional when two women love each other so deeply and want to kiss so badly Uh, Let's roll into today's episode, season seven, episode four, Help. Uh, Content warning, there will be light conversation on the themes of suicide and depression.
2: Welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one by one, spoiler free, in tandem with my dates to the winter formal, Angel (laughs) on Top. Both of them? What about me? Get your own dates. I'm
1: Jenny Owen Youngs. (laughs) I'm... Kristen Russo, now looking for a date to the Winter Formal. And this week, we are talking <laughs> about Season 7, Episode 4, Help! I need somebody, help! Mm. Not just anybody, oh. Stay, yeah, Listen, you're not the only one who can sing a tune around here. <laughs> okay, stay, okay. Stay tuned at the end of this podcast every other week for an original song written by Jenny Owen Youngs, recapping the Buffy episode we are discussing.
2: Help was written by Rebecca Rand Kirshner and directed by Rick Rosenthal. It originally aired on October 15th, 2002.
1: Every time I hear Rick Rosenthal, I, just, like, I hear Rick Roll before I hear the full name, mm. you know? Rick, oh, yeah. Rick Roll-Lenthal. Uh, this is the one, according to IMDb, where Buffy begins a new job as a school counselor with simply no background or experience. IMDb <laughs> did not say that. I added my uh, little flourish yeah. there at Sunnydale High yeah. School. On her first day, she encounters a troubled young girl who is convinced she is about to die.
2: Spoiler- She is. Previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, it did get a little sexy, (laughs) didn't it? It
1: did. They're like, Uh, Anya and Willow, smooch, smooch, Wood and Buffy, smooch, smooch. They were like putting all the little couples up at the top. uh uh Um,
2: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And asking the most important question of the front of season seven, why is Buffy a
1: counselor? (laughs) Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Uh, but luckily, we don't start in the counselor's office. We start in a funeral home. I just want to like be a fly on the inside of the writer's room for this season where they're like, last season, guys, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna change it up? Mm-hmm. What's spicy? What's a nice spicy way to get a vampire? I know. Let's hide. Re- in Rebecca coffins. Rand Kirshner is like, I've never written
2: dialogue between uh two staff members of a funeral home. <laughs> I uh, would love to hear what they have to say to each other, the, the verbal high fives they give each other uh, as they close up shop for the night, leaving
1: the casket open. wide open overnight. Do we sir. have any uh, embalmers or f- funeral home directors? We do. Right? Cause I don't, I just we definitely do. You don't leave it open overnight, right? That doesn't seem... It's like when you put
2: leftover macaroni and cheese in the fridge. Jennifer
1: Owen Young, You
2: cover it. I'm just saying. You are fired. A fine print on our contract said if you ever
1: compare a corpse to macaroni and cheese, you're
2: fired. (laughs) And if you would cover something so fleeting and inconsequential as macaroni and cheese leftovers, would you not
1: also cover your dearly departed loved ones? A, I just threw up in my mouth. And B... Macaroni and cheese is not embalmed. So I do think that we have to ask the experts on this as much as that was very highly sure. educated analysis. I mean, I know analysis. there's like
2: <laughs> preservation uh, going into the whole process. I guess
1: but it just seems rude, honestly, more than anything. Out of the box, macaroni and cheese might be close to embalmed, to be honest with you. So, <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> anyway. Wow. Um, I feel like there has to be a better way.
1: Yeah. Surely...
2: Surely Dawn is out there with a little lockpick kit honing her lockpicking skills. There's no reason anybody had to wait also, what, they went in to browse at coffins and then And then disappeared. The funeral home director like left the
1: room for a second and came back. They were just poof gone. And also, why are there three empty coffins in the room with the lady? I watch Six TV under, and they keep their display coffins in a separate area from where they keep their actual used coffin. So just mm-hmm. many bones mm-hmm. to pick in this funeral home. And the serious angle of this, I mean, it's a it's a it's a moment played for comedy. But the first thing I thought was, like, seriously, Buffy's inside of a Coffin that seems like the most triggering thing that she could ever, ever possibly do. She literally woke up inside of her own fucking coffin and dug herself out of the ground mm. last season.
2: So, like, that might account for why she opted to cram Dawn, who is taller than her,
1: into the child <laughs> coffin. Though. Dawn constantly reminding everyone that she's not the shortest one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Xander, you know, basically asks what we're asking. Why are we doing this? And Buffy's like, this is how I know how to do it. One at a time. Vampire by vampire. Some instructions
2: on writing in life. Classic book. The Craft of Writing by Anne Lamott.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Um, so they have a conversation A brief conversation just about being stressed out. And we get like the classic Buffy the Vampire Slayer Venn diagram of stress. Our best friend tried to destroy the world, is now uh, recovered at home, but we're unsure. There's something that wants to devour us from below. And it's a school night, you know.
2: While our various uh, Undertaker and Funeral Home Director and Embalmer listenership is already writing us an email... Could you also please reveal to us whether it is professional or not to leave two big black thready stitches clearly visible in someone's neck?
1: This is what I would do to stitch this woman's (laughs) neck shut. This is not a good job. This is not.
2: (laughs) Uh, Kristen is to these stitches. Kristen is to these stitches as Buffy is to counseling. Yes, exactly.
1: Um... So also I just like not to put too fine a point on it, but you're the the conversation that the actual undertakers do have when they're leaving, you like mentioned it, but it is hilarious. It does sound like two sports casters who are just like leaving the big yeah. game.
2: <laughs> wow, you really did a nice job on her. Wow, it's go it so great. <laughs> high five. Boom. Turn on <laughs> the
1: lights off. Good evening, Charles. <gasps> So Buffy is worried. I mean, she's valid in her concern that she might not have what it takes to be a school counselor. (laughs) Xander is uh, like very full of belief in her, which is nice. I mean, like, you know, surface friend wise, this is what you do. You have belief in your friends. They can do this. But as we will get more and more into Mm -hmm. Buffy is, um, you know, probably lacking in some training here. Yeah. Then we get this this vampire. So many vampires, I feel, are coded Italian. Is it just me? Because this lady is straight out of, like, Long Island. My, my like, mm. straight out of Long Island, my, like, grandfather's Italian kitchen. He, you know, Dawn's like, she looks peaceful. And she opens her eyes and she's about to, like, take a bite of her fucking biscotti. And she's like, I am not peaceful. <laughs> I...
2: Did not experience this in any particular direction, but I celebrate your experience.
1: Thank you. I just got strong Italian vibes from this lady. Mm. Credits.
2: Credits. And then cut to Sunnydale High School. Here's a 35-year-old high school student strolling down the hall.
1: (laughs) I mean, listen... We're still fresh off of 90210 giving us the oldest teenagers that ever graced high school's hallways. So, like, our brains at this point are fully accepting whatever age person you put. Give them a backpack. They're a high school student. That's how it works then.
2: (laughs) Sure. Sure, yes. Uh, Buffy is uh, electric sharpenering her pencils.
1: I like this. I didn't realize it until right this moment, actually. But, like, so much of the episode is about how she's trying to apply what she's learned as a slayer <laughs> to being a counselor sharp wood things right let me make the wooden things at my desk sharp I know how to do that um so it's a cute it's a quick moment but I think it's nice for the overlay of the whole episode which is really looking at what happens when you get a new job and you only have one particular experience to apply to it <laughs> mm. we get Amanda played by Sarah Hagan, who you may yes. know from freaks and geeks Oh, yes. I hope that we get Sarah on the show. She's a delight. And I hope she can come and talk to us about her time in the Sunnydale High School hallways.
2: She's got a situation with a guy picking on her, dot, dot, dot.
1: (laughs) This whole... um, I recently... One of our listeners, Bree, sent us a link to some of the promos for the last few episodes of the series, And watching the promos, because I don't watch the promos a lot, and watching them made me sort of realize and remember how dramatically positioned shows all shows were, but like we're watching it without the promos. So we're like, oh yeah, this like really serious stuff is happening to Puffy, but the promos are like, and then, and they're like super cut. <laughs> it's like teen drama, blah, blah, blah. And watching this, like how these scenes are cut, I, it sort of connected me to like, right, we're trying to like really position this show in a certain way. I don't know, there's something about the like intercut like different students and all of them having their different stories that felt like very teen drama on television to me. It, in a way that this show doesn't always feel
2: yeah 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 well they're cramming a lot of teen drama uh into this quick sort of flurry of scenes we've got amanda who starts out by saying a guy's been (laughs) picking on her and then we eventually get to the point
1: that she beat the crap out of him and buffy's like trying to be professional but is secretly like fuck yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) We've got Tomas, who does not want to talk. Does not want he to talk, talk at all. Don't make him talk. Eventually he talks. Don't make him talk. Peter. Peter. Zachary Ty Bryan is Peter. Where do we
1: know Zachary uh, Ty Brian from?
2: from? Home Improvement, Veronica Mars.
1: Also, I read Tokyo Drift, although I haven't seen that fast in the Fury. Oh yeah, yet. Tokyo
2: Drift. Um
1: uh he thought it was best he come <laughs> speak with Buffy. Because he's bored. Because he's bored. He starts out, though, by saying, my parents. Oh, no, I'm here because of divorce. And she's like, oh, I really I like I can really relate to that. And he's like, you know, my parents are actually really happy. It's just that everyone else's parents are getting divorced and I feel left out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you remember? Mm -hmm. I'm sure it still exists. But do you remember banana splits? Did you have banana splits? I don't know what that is. I feel like this is not the first time I've brought it up on this podcast, but Banana Splits was the like special group where all of the kids in class who had divorced parents would get together and talk about their divorced what? parents. It was called Banana Splits. What? And I was always really jealous that I didn't get to go to banana splits. Sometimes they even get to eat banana splits, and I didn't because oh my, my parents okay, were married. Well, that's an incentive. <laughs> trying to do, trying to make your parents divorce just so you can have a banana split in uh, middle yeah. school. Uh, We don't get a lot of Tomas' story at the jump. All we get is that he doesn't want to talk. We get a little more from Peter and Amanda. Um, And before we go back to find out more about what's going to happen in this counselor's office, we get uh, a walk outside. You don't know where they are at first. Uh, Xander and Willow are chatting. They're strolling. They're chatting. Xander's
2: commenting on the uncatchiness of the phrase from beneath you, it devours. Xander, I challenge you... To take a spin on the old SS, FBYID. Try saying FBYID. It might feel better to you.
1: It's feeling worse and worse to me the more you say it. So I'm not sure I agree. <laughs> what the
2: fuck? <laughs> uh, Willow's worried that when it does devour from beneath them, she will not be able to help. Yeah. Or she might do bad things. Right. And this
1: is. Great from Xander. This is straight. <gasps> the
2: hammer analogy. I always think about this analogy when I'm hammering things.
1: The- <laughs> the- which is often, actually, if I know you. Yeah. You, you are often hammering things. It's I'm true. not joking. I- you probably think I'm being sarcastic, listeners. I'm not. I'm truly respecting the amount that Jenny Own Young's hammers things into walls and other surfaces. There's a lot to hammer. It's also the same kind of idea as the subtle knife from the Golden Compass series, which is one of my favorite things of all time. The subtle knife, if you try too hard to cut between dimensions, it shatters. But if you don't try enough, it won't work. There's this (laughs) in-between of control and power that you have to find the balance for in order to get the thing done and you know, it's it's nice. I, I, in my notes, I actually drew a little hammer. I drew a little diagram. Oh my god! <laughs> um, I
2: have terrible news for everyone. Yeah,
1: I have terrible news.
2: Willow is headed to a specific place. <sighs> She's headed to visit Tara's grave, and I don't know if you had closed captioning on on Hulu while you were watching. I the had Hulu it on. Hulu closed and off, captioning but... has. Xander says, are you sure you're ready for this? And that stays on the screen from when he says it to Willow's oh. whole slow walk God. up to the headstone. It's very upsetting.
1: Yeah, it's really sad and beautiful and powerful. I mean, and I love how they do this because, like, we're always in a fucking cemetery in this show. You know, like, it's just constantly. But this feels so they've set this up in a totally different place. It's very open. Oh, yeah. It's very bright. Um, And it really yep. just gives a whole different energy to this moment than we usually get when we're in a cemetery.
2: We haven't even seen like Buffy and Dawn visit Joyce's grave. I think the only time anybody's gone to a grave in remembrance
1: was uh when they went to Jenny Callender's grave. That's the only one I remember specifically, but I'm sure if we're wrong, at least one person will tell I'm us. I'm sure someone <laughs> will let us know. <laughs> so Um, so Willow does something. She walks up to the grave. First of all, we're all like collectively gasping and being like, oh no, oh no. Cause you really, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe some of you saw it coming, but like, I didn't see it coming. I didn't know that this, I didn't remember this was going to happen. And it just sort of like hit me hard. Um, and she has a rock that she puts on, uh, Tara's grave. That's the first thing that she does. And this is, we, we talked in the intro of last episode about how later this season, we're going to be doing an episode on Willow and the fact that Willow is Jewish and the show near to never touches on the fact that she is Jewish in any way, shape or form. This is one of the moments that is, uh, this is a Jewish tradition to put a rock on a grave when you visit it i i read some stuff i know jenny you did too about like the origin of it and the story of it and there are a lot of different explanations to um to why this happens and what it symbolizes and and all that and i think that we will be lucky enough to get into it with people who know a lot more than we do when we do this special episode um but it is nice to see it although jenny you read something that uh you wanted to bring up as well yeah
2: yeah, I was looking at the Wikipedia article for visitation stones, and maybe it's worth mentioning. I'm not sure if there's a meaningful like uh, difference between the word rock and stone in oh, this particular yeah, application. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, on the page about uh, visitation stones, it says that the stone is placed by the left hand, and Alison Hannigan uses her right hand. I don't know if this is we don't know anything
1: but we only know uh, what we've read and you know i mean i think judaism specifically at least like a <clears> guy <throat> i've taken a lot of like comparative religion courses and things i was very 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 deeply interested in religion um when i was in college and so i took a lot of courses on it and i remember like one of the things that i was most blown away by in what i learned about judaism was how much uh, people were encouraged to really examine and turn over the text and um, come to their own understandings of it because as somebody who grew up <laughs> as Catholic, um, that it was not encouraged at all. Um, and so I think because of that, like when you read, when when somebody... When people like us Google and we're, like, looking online, like, we're finding a lot of different things. You know, one of the things that I thought was really beautiful that I read was that it's a way for, like, when you go to visit somebody um, and you see that there are stones, you know that other people have been there and have been visiting with them. I thought that was, like, really beautiful. Mm. but. All that to say, um, we have a large Jewish listenership. So please let us know if if the left hand or the right hand is like a hard rule or if that isn't. Like, let us know. Tell us your thoughts. Um, but it is at least nice to see a touch of Willow's Jewish identity in the show because we don't see it ever.
2: Yes. And it is one thing is certain, Ugh. regardless of whatever religion or spiritual practice you might. Uh, value or have in your life, you will almost certainly feel attacked by this scene. How hey, dare they?
1: It's me. That's all no. she says. She's like tracing the letters of Tara's name in the headstone and she just says, Hey, it's me. No, Nah. Can I say one thing? You may. <laughs> Only one thing, though, for the rest of the podcast. Make it good. (laughs) Uh, I feel like
2: the headstone could look more headstone-y. I thought the black fill on the letters was an interesting choice (laughs) and one that I am... Not familiar with.
1: Okay. Well, please note, uh, Jenny Owen Young's would not, like, black fill on her... (laughs) When
2: you bury me, whenever that day arrives, please do not fill the letters on my tombstone. They did
1: did more work on Buffy's tombstone, it's clear.
2: Oh, yeah. Buffy's was just a straight engraving. Yes, it was.
1: Anyway. Out of the cemetery and into the counselor's office, the Buffy Mm Summers story... Here is where we get more of Tomas. Um, So basically, his story is that his brother has joined the Marines and he's terrified that he won't come back. And this was actually... Very striking to me because I had just we had just come off of talking about the airport and 9-11 and how the the rules in the airport were changing. And of course, this is also right around the time that we're all watching the United States go to war and people are joining the army and the Marines and the Navy and all these things. And it is especially if you are uh, this age at this time like, this was put here, I think, very uh, purposefully. This was what was happening um, if you were a high school student in the mm-hmm. United States at that time. hmm hmm Yeah, I have, you know, I have some feelings in many ways about Buffy being a counselor. I, You know, this is also not too far away from, like, Dangerous Minds and other <laughs> movies and TV shows where, like, the white lady can help the person of color. So I have, like, that twinge of, like... I don't know how I feel about this particular combination of people. I also have that same twinge when she is talking about suicide later because she does not have any experience or training inside of mental health. Do, 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 do. So just putting those pins, those pins, yeah. those pins in the pincushion. Yeah. Here comes Josh. What an asshole. <laughs>
2: uh you say asshole uh I say an outside the box thinker
1: (laughs) Buffy does a fantastic Uh, job with the gay student who is not gay uh yes great job she she says Josh says I'm worried I'm gay her immediate response I'm so thankful that you'd come to me there is nothing to be ashamed of knocked it out of the park Buffy absolutely great job. job It's almost like she has had experiences with gay people. Like, this is something that she has lived experience with. So she has learned. She has done the right
0: thing
1: here. Uh, Unfortunately for her, Josh just wanted a date.
0: Yeah.
2: Points for originality, Josh. But please go back to class and never (laughs) return. (laughs) Um, Something else that Buffy has a little bit of lived experience with. Is um, sibling drama. Her next client client <laughs> has a sister who is controlling. <laughs> doesn't let her make her own decisions. Oh. Borrows her clothes without asking.
1: Great, it's done. It's good. It's a good comic. <laughs> good comic moment here. This is a good. I mean, this episode, especially the pacing of these teens, is it's done very well. The editing is really like timed right. The comedy is there. It's good. It's good stuff. Um, and then, right after dawn, we meet Cassie. Uh, Cassie. Cassie,
2: my imaginary best friend from high school. Literally, the coolest girl in school. I
1: mean, this is like my biggest note about Cassie is Cassie is the is such a fucking dead on look from the '90s and early aughts. I had. Like one friend in particular who looked exactly like Cassie from the like. Oh, my
2: God. I also had one friend in particular who looked exactly like Cassie. I
1: think it's like a requirement if you had high school in the 90s or early on. Did
2: you have a friend, one friend in particular who looked exactly like Cassie? We want to hear your story. Call us at (laughs) 1-800.
1: Yes, I did. 1-800. 1-Cassie. I had one. 1-800. The number one, Cassie. <laughs> but also i realized while i was saying that that the name of the girl in my high school was cassandra which is dude creepy
2: okay actually sorry this is not relevant to anyone but us but cassie is actually a dead ringer for two people that i went to high school with or one person i went to high school with and one person one person who was my age from another school that i was friends with because of youth group <laughs> whose
1: name was cassie oh my God! So, I'll... no! Yeah, so this is real. This is actually, the show is fictional, except for Cassie. Cassie is fully a real human pulled out of the ether that is placed yes. one in each school. <laughs> Correct. But this, like, flat, platinum hair, this, like, particular way of dressing and moving and talking, it is, like, such a thing. It is, like, so fucking, it's just... It just feels very real to me. And um this character is played by an actress named Azura Sky. She's in a ton of stuff. Cool a cool of... name. What cool very cool name. Uh a lot of the a lot of the people in this episode have been in a shit ton of things. Um like this is season seven, Buffy. They are not fucking around. They're like, Have you been in 40 other shows? Then you are allowed to be on this one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs>
1: So anyway, Cassie, Cassie also has purple streaks in her hair, which made me laugh only because last week on Angel on Top, uh we met Gwen and Gwen had red streaks in her hair and Morgan and Latoya pointed out that if you have streaks in your hair, then you are in trouble. <laughs> so I was like <up."> It's true. It's true. She has streaks in their
2: theory holds. Um, (gasps) When Elena has streaks uh, in her hair on the vampire diaries, she's in trouble. I'm
1: sure that's where their theory originated. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So so anyway, we learn that Cassie um, is really just not interested in doing any schoolwork because she Mm -hmm. knows that she's not graduating because next Friday... She's going to die. Cut to commercial.
2: Well, and then Buffy is like, uh, before Cassie reveals that she's going to die next Friday, uh, she just tells Buffy that she's not going to graduate high school. And Buffy is immediately on red alert. Cassie deftly changes the subject by saying, I really like that shirt. Buffy is wearing a white, plain white tank top, a plain white tank top. Where'd you get it? Where'd you get that very unique shirt? I simply must have one of my own. But where,
1: from whence, could I ever? I took the
0: same. such a
1: garment like, as did this. How they allow this to happen? Like Buffy must have been like her wardrobe must have been something different when they wrote the script. They had to have changed. Well, it. I think that wardrobe probably happened
2: just after the fact. Right. <laughs> they were... I don't think the the scriptwriter is thinking about wardrobe.
1: Maybe, Cassie but the wardrobe thought... person. Should get a copy of the script, I say. <laughs> maybe maybe Cassie thought that the fancy pearls were attached to the white tank top, and that's why she thought Possibly.
2: it was Possibly. Mm, yes.
1: <laughs> anyway, um, Buffy immediately assumes, based on Cassie saying next Friday I'm going to die, that Cassie is suicidal. This is where I have training, question mark, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point in my notes. Because, uh-huh. you know... It, There are certain things that should be required if you're going to talk to students in a counselor capacity. I understand that she's not there as like a therapist, but if you're in... A capacity where students are told to come to you with their feelings, then you at least need to know how to talk to somebody who is suicidal and what to do. And Buffy clearly does not have those tools, and that is yeah. an issue. Cassie is not suicidal, but if she were, Buffy would not have the tools here to properly uh, create a safety plan with her at all. Yeah.
2: Um. Yeah. Anyway. Um. <laughs> More on this as we continue through the season <laughs> and episode. Uh, Cassie's like, no, no, <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to hurt myself. I just I just happen to know that I'm going to die next Friday. Uh, just like I know there will be coins, lots of weird coins and you'll try to help. You'll go somewhere dark underground. Uh, but just like, never mind, Forget I said anything. Don't worry about it. And put a sweater on so your shirt doesn't get ruined.
1: <laughs> brum, Cassie's, brum, brum. Cassie's relationship to her psychic abilities is wonderful. It's like yeah. so chill. She's just so chill. Yeah. You know, she's like where you like, if you want to smoke some pot, hit Cassie up. She's got you covered. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know about your Cassie in your high school, but my Cassie definitely smoked pot. <laughs> yes. Correct. Correct. It's an undeniable fact. <laughs> All the Cassies smoke pot. All of these particular Cassies. 1-800-1-CASSIE. They all smoke pot. So... <laughs> <laughs> so we go into Principal Wood's office. Always love to get a visit with Principal Wood. And his response to this is, I like, I think that this is uh, like a standard teacher response. Like, it is, I mean... <laughs> His other principal response should be to make sure that Buffy is prepared for this. But in terms of his own preparation, he's responding like, I know what to do. This is what we do. We inform. I mean, what they should be doing is like talking to the teachers and helping the student, not talking to the teachers and searching lockers. That's like a real thing that I remember from high school. Why were people always searching our fucking lockers? Get the fuck out. It's my locker. Fuck you. Mm -hmm. Regardless, he's just like, it's hard. This is hard, right? This is a hard time for a lot of people. A lot of students are going to say a lot of things. We do the best that we can do. Um, And Buffy is just like, I don't understand. Like, I don't understand. Like, I never get a heads up before somebody dies. And he's like, skirt, what? (laughs) (laughs) Say what? What did you, what? Oh, and also, how are those dead dogs? Hmm? Like, he's like, Principal Wood's like taking notes. (laughs) (laughs) But in the middle of this scene, uh, something else happens, doesn't it, Jenny? Oh, Oh, my capital note is, oh, Lord.
2: Um, Principal Wood starts telling a story about this one time when he was a kid. mm -hmm. He told everybody that he was going to bust someone's ass. Yep. Uh, And apparently that kind of talk was taken very
1: seriously where he's from. Buffy stepping in as the white lady. Mm. The hood, she says. And then Wood. (laughs) I do really appreciate Wood's response. He's like, Beverly Hills, which is a hood, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but like, this is one of these moments that the show gives us where it's just, we've talked about it enough. Maybe we haven't, but it's just like, it's a quick throwaway joke that calls out this like racist idea that the white girl thinks that the black man is from the hood automatically and it's played for a joke. But there's never any inv- There's never anything deeper than this, which is why it's right, just right. like, come on! You can't just have the. J- it's not that you can't have. You can't. I mean, you certainly can call out a white woman for assuming this and make it a joke. Like I don't think that is is uh, upsetting. It's just that there's never any other stuff, and you uh, by itself it doesn't stand. Um, though yeah. points to points to Principal Wood for being like, oh my god, you fucking white lady. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, uh, then, (gasps) oops, Oops. as it was foretold in
2: prophecy, Buffy spills coffee all over her very unique shirt that she'll never be able to replace a one of a kind.
3: You know where she got that shirt? White
2: tank top. (gasps)
1: <gasps> where i know where she got that fucking shirt she kept it from her girlfriend of course she probably has at least a few of them every oh time, every time so she it's misses not just faith. very
2: cool but it's also it has sentimental value and now it's covered
1: in coffee stain ah she completes it it'll be fine
2: you know that thing where you're going about your business retrieving various books that you need from your locker mm-hmm. and when you close the door boo your sister's right there and she has a <laughs> job for
1: you uh, I do. I don't actually know that feeling. My sister was never waiting outside a locker for me to tell me that she had a job for me. <laughs> it's time
2: for Dawn to go deep undercover.
1: Harriet the Spy vibes here.
2: And become friends with Cassie.
1: <laughs> Ta-da! Um, Mike, we meet Mike in the library. He is such a cute... Mike is a boy that I would have had a crush on in high school for sure. He's such a cute little nerd boy. I love him. And he wants Cassie to design matching tattoos uh, for both of them, which is adorable. Nothing like
2: getting a matching tattoo with your high school friend. I mean, <laughs> slash potential love interest.
1: <laughs> so they're talking about tattoo ideas, a snake, a hula girl. How about a sexy snake hula girl? I say yes. Um, The word lane is spoken here for the first time in this episode. It is probably said 12 times in this episode alone they use the word so many times we've already talked about it don't use it stop stop just stop but this is its first appearance and um mike invites cassie to the winter formal and she's like, nah. <laughs> oh, no, thank you. She's too uh, cool. She's too cool for school. She doesn't want to go to the winter formal. Mm, she actually just- Dawn wants-
2: rolls up and very smoothly
1: asks Cassie for their pottery class homework. Dawn is the opposite of smooth in every moment in this episode, and I love it. Hello. The
2: joke's on her. <laughs> Cassie didn't write it down because she's no longer engaged with school in any way. Mike leaves.
1: Like it's like I don't even know why Mike leaves. Because if you gave Dawn one half of one more second, she definitely would have probably walked away. But Mike's like, "I'll just let you two talk about your weird ceramics shit together." He's got to study for his class. He does. So okay. So I'm just gonna do like a quick little aside here because I, as Mike walked away, I saw that he was holding a textbook. So I rewound it to be like, "What textbook are they learning from?" Because most high school textbooks that. Talk about history are fucking bullshit. I went, I think I've talked about this here before. I went to a high school where we actually read the people's history of the United States in our history class, which was fucking rad. Uh, but he's holding a textbook and it's called Land of the Free. So I just Googled it, not thinking I would find anything like all that big, but I kind of did, Jenny. So can I tell you? Oh. So this textbook was published in 1965. It's called Land of the Free. And it was a specific answer. I'm just going to read some tiny excerpts from uh, an article that I found on this textbook from a site called The Avocado. I'll link the whole thing if people want to read more about it, because I found it really fascinating. Um, But basically, in the 60s, there were a ton of battles happening about desegregation and expanding uh, black studies courses. People like Martin Luther King, Andrew Clayton Powell, the Congress for Racial Equality, um, and other allies were pressuring states to develop textbooks that did a better job at portraying the history of the United States, including contributions by Black people um, and including the history of what this country uh, had done over the course of many, many hundreds of years in a more honest light, right? Hmm. Not surprising that this is being called for Um, and parents. And this is just it's so like, especially in this current climate where we're hearing so much about critical race theory being included in schools and parents and teachers and uh, all people being like, don't no, you can't do this. It's like (laughs) this is the 1960s. So this uh, one version of this battle is happening. And there are a lot of people who want better textbooks that do actually talk about things accurate, more accurately at the very least. So this historian, this black man, John Hope Franklin, was hired as a response to this argument uh, to write a textbook and wrote Land of the Free, right? The Mm -hmm. textbook comes out. It's not, it's definitely, it's doing a lot more than textbooks were doing. It's still maybe not doing what we would want textbooks to do today, but it's doing a lot. It it talks about uh, Frederick Douglass and, you know, talks about the civil rights struggle, uh, talks about the displacement of Native Americans, disenfranchisement of women. It's doing things, right? Mm-hmm. So the book comes out. A lot of people lose their fucking minds because that's what they fucking do. Uh, in particular, there was a Pasadena-based activist group called the Land of the Free Committee that just attacked this book, submitted all of these papers against it and what have you. And so because of the backlash, uh, they pulled the book and had to re, like they basically took a bunch of shit out of it before they (laughs) re-released it. So some stuff remained, but (sighs) a lot of what was in the original. So I don't know which version, (laughs) I don't know which version Mike has, but it was just Mm -hmm. like, I looked up this textbook thinking I was going to find like maybe a couple of things. And it actually is a really, really big historical deal, the conversation that happened around this particular textbook. So I don't know if it was intentional or not, but I'll put the link in the show notes today. So if you want, because it's a pretty long article. There's a lot more that I didn't say, uh, so you can read about it. But it was just very exciting. I got real nerdy when I uh, learned about this whole thing. How do you feel, Jenny? Are you excited about my nerdery? Yeah, very excited. (laughs) (sighs) Anyway, Mike's going to get a B. (laughs) Yeah.
2: That's the that's the bottom line. Uh, Cassie's reading Slaughterhouse Five. Mm. And, I know that uh, you read like, that book, class? Jenny. I think when I first re-
1: met you, you were reading that book. You were really channeling your Cassie vibes then.
2: <laughs> mm, yes. Uh, Cassie's reading it just for her. She does what she wants mm-hmm. instead of homework.
1: Cassie's so cool, and Dawn knows it. Don's like, you are so yeah. cool. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Cassie puts it together that Dawn is, wait, no, that Buffy is Dawn's sister. <laughs> and also tells Dawn that she didn't say yes to Mike for the dance because she, quote, won't be around that night, end quote.
1: Yeah, Dawn calls Mike a cutie. So Right? that shan't prophecies. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I don't think we ever see Mike again.
2: <laughs> Has Cassie had this gift for a long time like what's going on
1: it feels like she has had this gift for a long time but that she only recently saw this like saw her death you know like that for a long. because she she seems very comfortable with how she talks about what's going to happen um but then we learn in the next scene actually we're in the the dining room of the summer's house old hq and Mm -hmm. They're like, she had good grades, but then something changed. And so I don't think that what changed was that she suddenly could see things. I think what changed was that suddenly she saw this thing um, and she was like, well, if this is the reality, then fuck that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I don't understand why they don't accept her as a psychic right away. We live in Sunnydale. Why is why are they like just not more open to this?
2: Uh, I guess maybe even in Sunnydale, it's more likely that you would be a teenager, um, going through something than a precog. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair. Uh. Okay. So, back at Scooby headquarters, Buffy, Willow, and Xander are researching Cassie. Something alarming about this scene is that a. It- once again, a counselor with absolutely no training or qualifications can get a student's medical records.
1: Yeah, this is where it really, really goes off the rails. And after this, we get this really fun. There's a lot of, we're like really in beginning internet now. Like this this yes. 2002 moment is just like really playing with the internet. So the first funny internet exchange we get is Willow saying, have you Googled her? And Xander saying, She's seventeen, and Willow being like, "It's a search engine." It's like, it it is like it was like a funny joke then. Then it wasn't funny at all, and now it's come all the way back around again yeah. to being funny. All the way back.
2: Uh, Cassie has a website. Is this? Would you say this is
1: Flash? I tried uh, to see the yeah I think I think it is I tried to see the URL I couldn't see it I really that's those a, that's homes are floating
2: Geocities.com dot com backslash one Cassie one Cassie <laughs>
1: <laughs> live journal uh, when did live journal happen was that that was like now right not the now now but then now two thousand right the then now for sure yeah um but she's like done some fucking like this is she, Cassie knows how to code man because she's got like fucking art popping around you didn't have Squarespace yep. in 2002 to automate your shit no. if you wanted fucking images to pop around you had to get in the back end of your site and code that shit so cassie knows what she's doing yeah. she's writing poetry i can identify with that how about you jenny sure yeah that's just that's uh the
2: definition of high school is writing poetry as far as also, i'm
1: also just to fully flesh out the the one cassie everybody's cassie also wrote poetry you did that of course like 1000% the Cassie's of the world uh of all the high schools in the 90s and aughts wrote poetry yeah we get this poem from Cassie let's see I mean you know it's basically there's a lot of conversation about a pale fish um There's a lot of, uh, there's some like, my body is not ready yet. I think she's talking about, well, you're more into poetry than I am um, as a songwriter. So maybe you gleaned more from the poem. But basically what I got was, I'm going to die. Um, I know I'm going to die. I am so young. I haven't even really had love or sex. And Mm. it doesn't matter because I'm going to die before I get any of that. That's what I got. And I have very pale skin. Is that what you got? Uh, yeah, that's that seems right. Today's episode is brought to you by Regal Cinemas In 4DX or IMAX or RPX or ScreenX, there's so many ways to watch movies these days, your Regal Unlimited membership gets you into those premium experiences at a reduced cost. And with Regal Unlimited, you don't only save money on the tickets, you will also save on your snacks. And as previously mentioned, I love snacks. The only thing that can make me love a snack more is saving money on buying a snack. Members get 10% off of all non-alcoholic concession items with membership. Regal Unlimited, all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself
3: Shopify.com slash realm.
1: It's not a bad poem. I think it's a I think it's a high school poem. Jenny, would you like to hear one of my high school poems? Oh goodness. Yes, question mark. <laughs> I mean, I don't have Hit to. Hit me. I don't have to share. I? I demand to hear one of your high school poems. I pulled the wrong notebook out of the garage. Um, I showed Jenny the, the picture of the notebook that I pulled out, which you sh- we should definitely include high school poetry. It's a picture of like this naked lady whose arms are crossed over her boobs as she nice. and she has. She's drawn in black and white. And then her wings are filled in with rainbow color. <laughs> And her very casual wings are. Funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Her, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I'm, I'm not I didn't have my whole library to choose from, but one poem did fall out. So I'm going to read it to you. It looks like it's called Untitled. <clears throat> now I shuffle through your thoughts, dear. Now I rummage and now I sift. I'm making direct eye contact with Jenny as much as I can while I read the poem. <laughs> I hate it. One action, a speck of dust on the world's existence, and I am forever damned. No apologies. Even though, even though, even though. You made me smile. You kept me going. You understood. I found out today. You can't understand it all. But I want you to. I need you to. I love you. I'm sorry. What do you think? Uh... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like- There it it's is. Not, I feel like I might be in a similar class as Cassie with my poetry, with my high school poetry. It's not horrible. It's just particularly rooted in a space. Which is the thing Cassie's poems
2: Yeah, I are. would
0: say
1: Cassie's style
2: is much heavier on uh, imagery. That's true. That's true. And uh, you have a- <laughs> <laughs> Uh- A directness uh, that is less present in her style.
1: I bet you Cassie's a water sign and I'm a fire sign. For sure. Right? That's what's happening.
2: Cassie is a Pisces or a Scorpio. The end.
1: Yeah. I say Pisces. She talks about a pale fish for like half the poem. So. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, we get this poem and Xander... Xander's dialogue in this scene, specifically this next moment, makes me want to fucking jump directly out of my window and run and not stop running. He says, she's giving death a big sloppy word kiss, and that's not yeah. enough. She <laughs> has a yen for the big dirt nap. Xander, go home. Xander, no. Go home, bud. Why? Stop it. Sir. Come on.
2: uh, Willow confesses that even she posted some melodramatic love poems on the net back in the day to which Xander replies love poems
1: oh Xander I told
2: you to go home why are you still here (laughs) (laughs) I'm over you now Sweeney one of
1: my favorite (laughs) yes that is a good line he's
2: holding on to it
1: one of my favorite reveals of the entire series happens in this exchange where Willow Mm. admits that she wrote some love poems fine she also wrote some Doogie Hauser fan fiction. Play the fucking Doogie Hauser theme song. I want to read it. I want to read Willow Rosenberg's <laughs> fan fiction about Doogie Hauser right the fuck now. Correct. Dawn has some theories. Dawn's got some ideas. Dawn's got the perp fingered. <laughs> she's thinking. <laughs> she's
2: thinking thinking nobody cares what she's thinking because they just found some police records for cassie's dad this is so who uh has some drunken disorderly the other dnd uh some disturbing the peace
0: the other D &D. uh, and nerd they decide
2: they're just gonna go knock on his door and talk to him this is So
0: beyond.
1: It's literally... Like, there's nothing to even say that could possibly give the weight to how fucked up all of this is. This Yeah, Buffy would be so fucking fired. Oh, my God. Fired, like, 50 ways from fucking Tuesday. And also, like, I'm sorry, but these people these characters have just gone through an entire arc that navigated addiction, and they're about to just jump in here and be like, oh, this guy's a drunk, so he's obviously beating his kid up. Literally, what the fuck? And then to and then to take that fucked up connection and to use it to fuel your car to his house to walk into this man's house and say, we know you were picked up by the cops. Are you still drinking? We worried you might hurt your daughter. Buffy, Dude. you are fired. You are fi- we all fire you. We've all fired you. you go back to being the slayer. This is not okay. It's not even necessarily her f- all of her fault cuz she has absolutely no training to do the job that she's in. But like, oh my fucking god. Yeah. Mr. Newton um, played by Glenn Morshauer in everything. 23's dad 24 i think is where i recognized him from uh he was in that show a whole bunch but he's in everything and yeah i mean this is just fucked up
2: i looked at his i looked at his imdb credits and like 75 percent of his roles like the the names of the roles that he played he played start with either like detective general (laughs) officer (laughs) lieutenant admirable admiral it's it's wild. Check out his IMDb. You, you will see not it. Be disappointed. He looks
1: like all of those things. He, he really has yeah, that yeah. general look. He does a great job. He's got a very short, short scene here, but he definitely does a great job in being 100% correct and being clearly very caring for his daughter and very annoyed. Except
2: with- when he says that she's not the sharpest apple in the barrel. Yeah, that's which not Which just great. feels like directly, it feels like it is not attached to anything else about him for the rest of the scene yeah agree agree weird choice
1: anyway dad was right Buffy was wrong they realized that they were wrong and that Ooh. he's not even seeing her yeah because he only gets to see her every one weekend every month
2: one weekend a month they leave and there from the darkness emerges detective Cassie <laughs> to tell them it's not him he's not the one who does it
1: yeah, and you're making a big deal of it, and I just want it to go away. Um Now Xander gets involved and is like, are you suicidal? Do you want to kill yourself? And I'm like, who the fuck are you? Ah! You guys, being the Scoobies and killing vampires together is one thing, but like interfering in the lives of high school students because Buffy got a job at the high school is definitely mm. not mm. stop. Mm.
2: Mm. Cassie does a little Our Town here. She's like, oh. <sighs> Oh, I'd love to graduate. I'd love to go to the winter formal. I'd love to ice skate at Rockefeller Center. I'd love to fall in love. I'd love to drop some casual fat phobia into this Our Town moment. Ah, but I won't. I just never will. I'm going to die. Oh,
1: somebody give me a side-by-side of Rand Graf, and Cassie both doing their Our Town speeches. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, so Cassie as she's I mean before she gives this whole speech, she's had been confronted by Buffy who says like you don't sound like someone who wants to live. You should fight. Ooh. Ah, yeah. And so um, Alba, one of Alba's notes to us, I'm just going to read it verbatim because, uh, you know, Alba saw this and said, when Cassie talks about all the things she wants to do and experience, this is Alba speaking, I related wholeheartedly and I want to make the point that being depressed doesn't mean you have the desire to die. It's often that being alive requires so much effort that it feels insurmountable. Depressed people want nothing more than to feel happy, peaceful, and serene. It's just very, very hard to... To achieve and varies depending on the day, the season, and the hour. So thank you, Alba. Correct. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ken, Cassie isn't a character who is a like depressed character and, and all these things, but just the idea that Buffy would say to Cassie, it feels like you don't want to live. Like, don't. That's not. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, my next note, Jenny, is Oh no, boys in
2: robes. (laughs) Never a good sign. Never. Never a good sign, especially not when they're circled around a photo of Cassie that's surrounded by a bunch of coins
1: and they set the photo on fire. That's not good. Not a good sign. Also, why did they put like this... Fucking circle of tiles in the library when they fucking knew. Xander, I blame you. You knew that this was the hell mouth. Why are you going to put anything that even could come close to looking like a pentagram on the floor of this high school? Please. Stop it. Uh, we get a very brief scene um, where Buffy is looking at Cassie's website a bit more. This is where we really see that Cassie has coding skills because the fucking like artwork's all bouncing about. Wood uh-huh, walks uh-huh. in for one joke. <laughs> He's like, thank (laughs) God it's (laughs) (laughs) Can't believe I said that. And then he leaves and the scene's over.
2: (laughs) Uh, And then we get, for the first time on the show, we get a poetry montage. Mm -hmm. We see Dawn's friendship with Cassie and Mike developing. We see Scooby's researching. Buffy starts reading the poem and then it switches over to Cassie's voice. We see Cassie in her room, which has a vibe. The, I wrote is. down
1: one line from this poem, which I thought was a line I would write in one of my poems. Mm-hmm. Laugh in the trees of time. I was like, yeah, that's, ame- that's a me. That's Chris and Russo would have written that down in a poem. Well, wow, the
2: trees of time, the trees of time. I like that. Oh,
1: you like the poem I didn't write, but that I said I would write.
2: Mm-hmm. That Cassie wrote. OK.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Fine. Fine. Uh, Don't be my friend. Buffy. In high See if I care. <laughs>
2: As it was foretold in prophecy, Buffy goes down into a dark place, the Mm -hmm. school basement, where Spike is being very still and quiet, trying not to
1: hurt. This is really sad. This is really, I mean, the scenes that we've gotten this season so far between James and Sarah are, they stand apart from every episode. They're like their own little episodes that just have such power to them. And so few words, you know, like all Spike says is, if I don't move, if I don't think, if I don't listen to the voices, then it won't hurt as much. Oh, my God. Yeah.
2: <sighs> um, Buffy has come to Spike because a girl is in danger and needs his help. <sighs> and time is running out. And then there is an incredibly obvious overdub. Uh, Where uh, clearly a network note was like, why is time running out? We weren't paying much attention when we watched the episode earlier. Or maybe, you know, a scene, a clarifying scene was cut from just before this or something uh, where Buffy says, it's Friday, the day Cassie said she was going to die.
1: I didn't even notice. I didn't even notice. (laughs) Uh, Meanwhile, Spike is like, who's Cassie? Yeah. So Spike is inside of his own personal hell. And he hears there's a girl in trouble. And it immediately wires his brain to think that he is, to think that Buffy is talking about herself. He says, yes, there is. Because Buffy's like, basically, you need to, if there's something evil down here, you have to tell me I need to help this girl, like, right now.
0: There's evil. Down here, right here. I'm a bad man. William is a bad man.
3: I heard the girl.
1: It's really hard to watch, just like so much of what we've seen from Spike this season and Buffy stops him she like grabs his fist very like gently and looks at him and is like it's a different girl it's really a lot um and then as though you didn't have enough feelings Spike says because she's gonna leave and Spike's like stay here and help me be quiet oh no
2: and Buffy says I think it's worse when I'm here yeah
1: That's what I'm saying. Like, fucking dialogue real estate here. They really knock it out of the fucking park with these two because they say hardly anything and so much. Yeah. Speaking of saying so much, Buffy, here we go. She's already struck out as a counselor 472 times in this episode, but here she is in the fucking hallway. She goes right up to Mike. Excuse me. I heard you can't get a date to the dance. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck, lady?
2: Uh... And he's like, "Oh, hey, you're Don's sister." And she's like, "Uh, that's right. Don is my sister." <laughs> I like this. Yeah. Little uh figure that they've worked into the episode from both sides. Yeah, it's good. It's good.
1: We learn that Mike doesn't care. Mike's a chill dude. He's like, "It's fine." And I was thinking of actually asking your sister to the dance. Um and
2: he also says Cassie's girl making boys crazy is like her job description said someone in the writer's room.
1: Yeah, no high school student would say this. <laughs> clank. <laughs> Speaking of clank, all the coins fall out of the locker. Clankity <gasps> Clank. Uh, locker 281 paging paging the owner of locker 281 please report immediately to the office of Miss Summers Yeah uh Buffy's grilling this kid and I don't
2: think we even see him in the later robe scenes I feel like a lot got cut
0: out
1: of Did this Did he give his robe to Buffy is that the ex- is that the deal they oh, worked out Like maybe because she needs to get a robe and she like it seems like he's ready to commiserate by the end of this scene because Buffy, right. school counselor Buffy, says to this kid whose locker had coins in it, "I'm gonna connect with your face if you don't help me do my job." You guys, time honored again. counseling
2: tactic. <laughs> uh, boy, the number of times my school counselors
1: threatened to assault me when Punch I was in me high school. In the face. Oh, so anyway, yeah, this guy gives up the goods. He tells Buffy what the plan is. And outside school, Dawn and Cassie, they're just getting along. They're just having such a great time. They're such pals. However, speaking of uh, not the sharpest apple in the barrel, Cassie says to Dawn no. in this scene, just remember, I'm not as dumb as I look. And Dawn says, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm talking,
0: what?
1: I
2: think Dawn is saying she's glad that they're friends, but it's a poorly ordered <laughs> scene. Okay, um, that
1: makes more sense because yeah, I was like, wait, what?
2: <laughs> they all this is also their like, would it be a she's all that moment where Cassie acknowledges that Buffy put Dawn up to being her friend. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Zachary Ty Bryan swoops in with a winter formal fake out to distract Dawn. And when she turns around, Cassie is gonzo. Mm-hmm. I assume she's been whisked away by some boys in red robes.
1: Hey, Summers, you got a date to the winter formal? Ugh, Just gross. doing a poll. Yuck, yuck, yuck. <laughs>
2: What a dipshit. Like, why does she even, why does she look excited that he's asking her? He, oh, this guy is, she's, is such a
1: tool. She's still Dawn, you know? Yeah. Uh. Okay. So at the red robe ritual. hmm, What a lovely alliteration.
2: The boys are talking and they're like, what about the fire exits? And put a pin in the fact that this kid says, I set up a booby trap my cousin Ben used to always do. My cousin Ben used to always do this booby trap. So I did it, so we're fine. Okay, carry on, carry on, carry okay, on. Okay, all right.
1: I've Here's... put a pin. Put a pin in the booby. <laughs> uh nobody, nobody goes in, nobody comes out. Uh-huh. Cassie is tied up. She's got duct tape over her mouth. Things are not looking good. Zachary type no. Ryan is like, yo, lady, nothing personal. You just have that death chick suicide vibe. Probably nobody will even realize that you're gone. E- Unfortunately for ZTB. Not to be confused with JTT, another br- another brother on Home Improvement. <laughs> One of these robes is not like the other. I laughed so fucking loud when Buffy pulls this goddamn robe off of herself. There's only like eight dudes there. Like how? How did they not? How did they not see Counselor
2: Summers in a robe? Just <laughs> it's a question. It's a question. Uh... <sighs> Critical error. Uh, you, one thing you don't say to Buffy is get back, you stupid bitch. Mm-hmm. Because she will kick you in the face, which she does.
1: She's like so over it, giving all of us longtime viewers all of the callbacks we ever wanted. Bored teenage boys tra- trying to raise demons. Uh, she's just so over it. And then she she references the blue clam cult, which Great. Is good. In case you didn't know, the Blue Oyster call is responsible for a song called Don't Fear the Reaper, which mm-hmm. definitely existed before the movie Scream, but came into my orbit right around <laughs> the late 90s because of the movie Scream.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, she kicks ZTB and she's like, fucking blickety-blah, demon. And then he, he is like, that demon? uh this demon's got a face piece yeah i i also refer to him in my mind as the care bear demon because his belly seems soft and exposed yeah and strangely flammable
2: but we'll get to that in a minute uh buffy
1: sure hucks a cleaver into this demon but it does not slow him down It doesn't. And uh, lucky for everybody, here comes Spike with a full torch, just ready, flaming, ready to go. Very helpful fire. Ready to fight. Uh, Buffy takes the torch. She sticks it in the belly of the demon, which is how this demon dies, I guess. (laughs) Who knows how she knew that? And Um, odd. It's usually between the eyes, but okay. Uh,
2: Spike wrestles uh, Zachary Ty Bryan to the ground and punches him in the face a bunch. And Zachary Ty Bryan's like, who are you? And Spike's like, I'm a bad man.
1: Yeah, Spike also, like, suffering with every blow because the chip is still oh, yeah. harming him for harming a human. And then he Spike gets to Cassie, and Cassie says to Spike, she'll tell you. Someday, she'll tell you.
0: Right-ish.
1: What? What? in your shan shu prophecies please oh my god my favorite part of the episode is right now <laughs> tell me all about it peter peter uh, aka ztb is looking at the charred corpse of the demon that he was trying to raise for money <laughs> and he screams yes? Where are my infinite riches? To which the charred demon in its last gasping breath bites him in the shoulder. And then he screams, it bit me. And I would like (laughs) to play the patriarchy jingle because that's a beautiful, beautiful illustration of the patriarchy.
0: The Patriarchy!
1: Well, the demon is defeated. They go to leave.
2: Cassie opens the door and a mounted crossbow fires a bolt right at Cassie's head. Thankfully, Buffy catches the bolt. But this, this is the booby trap that someone's cousin used to do all the time.
1: (laughs) Maybe it was with Nerf arrows. Maybe. (laughs) I mean, I guess it's Sunnydale, you know, only the strong survive. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Uh, and then even though Buffy caught the bolt, Cassie falls to the ground. Yeah. And, and she, so before, but before that, she, Buffy looks at Cassie and says, see, you can make a difference. And Cassie very, like very beautifully and powerfully, cause it's. Stroking someone's hair is a delicate act. You can really go wrong with it if you if you do it incorrectly. (laughs) And Cassie does not. She does it really like it's just so sweet and loving. And she just says, and you will. And that's when she collapses and she dies.
2: Yay. I mean not not yay that
1: she was like yay that she said the nice thing. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) All of the listeners were just collectively as confused as me. Uh, So sorry. (laughs) Um, Before we go to the next scene, I do want to just say that um, guidance counselor Buffy Summers has also exited the library to ZTB saying, help, I'm bleeding, to which her response was, my office hours are 10 to 4. (laughs) Um, (laughs) ma'am, I know that you're carrying two different jobs, but (laughs) yeah, probably also like this is a straight, she's just leaving this murderer in the library. Like there's a lot of ends to be tied in this episode. It's true. Uh, Anyway, we're in the living room. (sighs) We are just a little
2: very sad roundup where we learn that Cassie's family had a history of heart irregularities. Uh, notice that there is a prominent photo of Joyce on the side table in this scene feels well, that, like she's kind of yes I'm sure she's always there she's but always she, it just there, feels but... like a little more pointed yeah in this episode yeah. in this scene
1: I should say they've changed the angle of the Joyce photograph <laughs> <laughs> correct yeah and um I took, like, a little bit of a pause to, and I know this is not, like, the point of this scene, but I, I just thought it was, like, an interesting line to be, like, she, the, her family had a history of heart irregularities and they didn't tell Cassie? Like, that seems unethical. <laughs> also, like, wouldn't she just, like... Get some treatment for her heart irregularities?
2: Well, like, wouldn't she know from, like, her family? Like, right, <laughs> if somebody else surely somebody else that she's aware of in her family maybe had some complications.
1: Right, right. But the point of the scene is not for us to be frustrated with Cassie's family for d- not disclosing medical information. <laughs> it is um for us to get this little slice of pie which is she was going to die no matter what you did. Buffy says, "I failed her." And Dawn counters, "You didn't. You listened." And you tried.
3: I guess sometimes you can't help.
0: (laughs) So what then? What do you do when you know that? When you know that maybe you can't help?
2: Cut to Buffy going back to work. Showing up, albeit with perhaps not the appropriate training, but still, but still showing up
1: mm-hmm. and trying and trying, mm. listening and trying. It's a beautiful last shot. It's really, really beautiful. I love the way that it ends through the window. It's just nice and quiet. It's always like it's. It's not a common thing, I don't think, for this like. Show to have an episode that ends like this. There are other episodes that do, but it's just very poignant when they choose to do that. And yeah, yeah. R.I.P. Cassie. But perhaps Cassie, Cassie. even e- perhaps Cassie has a chance to win an award even posthumously. Is that how you say that word? <laughs> mm. I think Pos-
2: posthumously. posthumously? <laughs> um. Yes. Let's check it out. <laughs> You know, you might think that an episode covering this kind of a plot might not have many uh, possible nominees, but we actually narrowed this down from a list of eight potentials. (laughs) And uh, you know, it's a lot better than some episodes in recent memory in terms of STA offerings. Mm -hmm. The first noms for your first slot that you could just (laughs) <laughs> slide right in there just like the uh,
1: the like glottal noises that just happened on slot made me grimace at jenny no
2: are <laughs> uh, uh willow and doogie hauser yes oh yeah willow and doogie uh, doogie and willow John Mark, could you just uh, toss the sound of someone typing on a very old keyboard? Uh, Willow writing her fanfic, Doogie Hauser making his end of episode diary entry. Oh my god, what a match
1: made in computer nerd heaven! I know,
2: in slot. Number two, some noms we'd rather just throw into the fire, but their chemistry is undeniable. It's Zachary Ty Bryan and Infinite Riches. Mm,
1: they definitely had. The oh, whole thing. a tale of
2: longing. Uh, <laughs> in slot number three, sometimes in high school mm. or other times, uh, a beautiful what begins as a beautiful friendship can sometimes turn into more. We're crossing
1: our fingers and rooting for Cassie and Dawn to go to a winter formal. I know that in high school, even though I didn't know it, I did want to dial 1-800-1-Cassie. So, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I definitely wanted to dial 1-800-1-Cassie myself. And then later, when we were older, I missed a bunch of calls from 1-800-1-Cassie, oh, shit. actually. <laughs> missed connections. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> And it's slot number four, just in case slot number three doesn't work because of unforeseen um, scheduling conflicts, (laughs) why not give a chance to Dawn and that cutie, Mike? He is a cutie. I like it. He's a cutie. All right. Uh, If one of these pairings strikes your fancy, please, 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 please vote in our listener poll. You can find it on our Twitter at BufferingCast. The Sexual Attention Award poll for this episode will be live for one week from this episode's Publishment.
1: Good luck. Happy voting. If Doogie Howser doesn't win, I'm going to be pissed off at all of you.
2: <laughs> just think of the end of season brackets with a picture of Doogie Howser. Honestly.
1: You know what I mean? You I want mean, that. I like mean, like we just keep rambling about about Doogie Hauser. Do you think that everybody knows who Doogie Howser is?
2: For those of you who are not aware who Doogie Howser is, uh, he was a character played by Neil Patrick Harris. A tiny, when Neil teeny Patrick Harris was what a wisp of a lad oh so little uh he was like a 14 year old medical doctor yes. he was like oh he was like a super genius who like did college at age 12 and then went to med school and now is a practicing doctor and nobody can believe it and he wears trainers to his doctoring responsibilities <laughs> oh my god and he oh. keeps a little diary on his computer clickety clack clickety clack
1: he does he like it, he was like the original Sarah Jessica Parker of Sex in the City but he was True. a teenage doctor <laughs> Dugan the Hospie oh god I loved that show like seriously loved it as a child anyway those are your sexual attention awards and now you know who Dookie Hauser is if you didn't before MD <laughs> ta da sexual attention Jenny another episode down four down 16
2: to go baby I had a uh, an alarming thought as I was as I was getting out of the shower this morning I thought to myself I think I only have 19 more songs to write about Buffy the Vampire Slayer and then I will break the curse return to my natural form Mm. and go back to living in the mountains uh strumming my lute without a
1: care also why do you have 19 songs
2: uh well because aren't there 22 episodes in a season
1: oh yeah so then is my math wrong oh I guess you haven't no you've written three. I haven't written this one yet I see but why did I say 16 oh because four down 18 to go <laughs> Yeah. And yes, you have But I haven't songs. written at the
2: time of our taping, I have not yet written the song wow. for it. Wow,
1: so we didn't even mean to call for it, but here's that Hellmath jingle. Hellmath. Alright. <sighs> well, who are you? Hey!
2: I'm Jenny Owen Youngs, and when I'm not doing Hellmath, I'm usually writing and recording songs. Uh All kinds of songs. I released a new song called Merry Go Round just last week. I've got a couple new holiday songs out from last month. And um, you can always check out my latest release, Echo Mountain. Mm. uh, Now available from my website on vinyl. Uh, You can listen to me sing some songs in my band LAX's. Mm. Uh, And you can listen to more of my speaking voice on my other pod, VMI
1: Pod. Does your song... That's called Merry-Go-Round-Go. This used to be my playground. With a merry-go-round. <laughs> used to be. No.
2: no, due to copyright laws and also other reasons, <laughs> it does not go like that.
1: Too good. Too hot to handle. That's the other Yeah, reason. too hot to handle. Of course. My name is Kristen Russo, and when I'm not trying to impress Jenny Owen Youngs with my musical <laughs> abilities... <laughs> I am often working with LGBTQ communities, uh, most notably speaking at workplaces. I have spoken to many workplaces virtually over this past year, uh, talking to parents primarily about how to be awesome to their LGBTQ kids. You can learn more about that on my website, Kristinnoline.com That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. It's like Noel. But with an INE at the end, you know? It's not that complicated. You can, <laughs> you can use that spelling to find me on Instagram and on Twitter. And um, if you want to find us as a duo, you can.
2: Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at BufferingCast. Or drop us an email at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com.
1: Hey, you can support our work if you'd like. Join our family on Patreon. Uh, We did a lot of fun holiday things with our patrons over the last few days. We had a book club. We watched Amends together. We just have a good time over there. Uh it's a fun community. So come find us bufferingthevampireslayer.com just click on Patreon. Uh you will, uh, listen, if you're still haven't gotten your Christmas gifts, you're uh, you've waited till the real last minute here, but it is possible mm. that they might still make it to you in time. If you head on over to our merch shop, you can find all different sorts of enamel pins and t-shirts and sweatshirts. Oh my. And um, <laughs> if you want to leave us or Angel on Top a review on iTunes, we would love that. Especially if it's good especially if it's good and um, hey we're going to take a little break we're going to jangle some bells and drink some cocoa over here and we'll be back on January 5th jingle jangle jangle
2: jangle yeah this episode was produced by Kristen Russo, Jenny Owen Youngs and Alba Daza, with support from our consultant Mackenzie McDade it was edited by John Mark Nelson and till next time
1: (gasps) bye Ah, (laughs) Go all the way
0: What's the point of trying to Put words to this I died and came back But I don't know I did my best But still they